Hello and welcome to the Beauty Therapist of Australia podcast. I am your host, Kathleen Klassman, and you might know me from the Facebook group Beauty Therapist of Australia for Industry Leaders, a group for professional beauty therapists to unite, get educated, and of course, become industry leaders. So here on the podcast, I answer and discuss the best questions that you submitted into the group over the past week. And in today's episode, we will be discussing fitting out your new beauty salon, what to do when a client doesn't pay, and legalities around having a hobby beauty business. But before we dive into these topics, I would like to remind you that if you do have a question that you want answered, just jump on over to Facebook and join our free Facebook community. Just search Beauty Therapists of Australia dash for industry leaders and click join to get connected. Also, if you would like to stay updated on all things related to the beauty industry and my personal journey, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can just search my full name, Kathleen Klesman. Alrighty, so thank you so much for being here. And before we get into the topics, I just wanted to quickly say, yeah, how grateful I am for all of those who listened to the podcast last week and who showed their support and shared their positive thoughts about the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And what it's really telling me is that there's so many of you out there who are really just willing to go the extra mile to be industry leaders, to be your best version in your chosen career and to really invest in yourself. And for that, I just want to say congratulations. And again, thank you for being here. Okay, so for the first topic, we're talking about fitting out your new salon and Kylie actually submitted this question. So I'm going to read it out to you. She said, hello, ladies, I've just found my first shop. I've moved from home to subletting with a few businesses and now I need to move again, but I feel that I'm ready to have my own place. It's in a great spot, not right in town, but it has great parking, a yoga center and a gym moving in the building soon. And I've got an open space that's air conditioned. There's a separate room at the back with the water, but no sink. I could put air con out there and make that a facial and massage room. I'll only fit two rooms out the front with a waiting room. I thought I could set up a double petty station in the waiting room as well. I would love any ideas you have and my theme will be rainforest style, so timber, stone, and greenery. Oh, that is so exciting, Kylie. I just wanna say personally, congratulations. It's a huge step forward. Uh, to yeah for your business and just for your personal growth it really is it's like a big step moving into your own rental place because it's one thing to rent or sublet from another business but it's just a whole another story to really do it for yourself so congratulations So I'm absolutely aware that this thread was really asking about design advice. Kylie was just really wanting to, I think she's just really excited and so she should be because she's taking on a huge thing and moving up to that next level. Um, But she definitely showed a lot of excitement kind of talking about her place and all those tiny little details. And I believe she really is just asking for design advice, but I thought this would be a great opportunity to actually talk a little bit about business and just open your minds to some of the questions you should really ask yourself. And we are going to touch on the design uh, topics as well. I have a few good uh, 
pieces of advice when it comes to fitting out your salon at a cheaper price, let's say. So I really just wanted to mention that I did follow a very similar path in my personal, well, my career life, my business life. And I, yeah, I started off working for someone and then I started to sublet. Um, so I subcontracted, then I sublet, and then I moved into my salon, well, my clinic. And I have to say, you know, that transition between subletting a business to actually having your own rental space where you are 100% responsible for every single thing, it is a huge big step forward. And not to say that it's, I mean, it's hard, of course, all these good things in life are hard and they take effort, but it does. It's it's in the, it's the next step. It's a new level of personal responsibility. And I'm sure Kylie is very well aware of this and she's very excited to go forward. But I wanted to talk about the idea. I mean, when I first started my business, I used my personal experience. I was so excited about the design fit out and all these bits and pieces and wanted to just spend money on a whole heap of things and make it look all pretty, all of that. But I have to say that that stuff is yet really important. Design and aesthetics do matter, but cash flow is probably the most important thing for a new business. And just making sure that you are able to cover the costs that you are now taking on and whether you have a constant flow of new clients and return clients. So these are all questions you definitely have to ask yourself. And I wanted to bring this up because it sounds like Kylie is, you know, she's going to have a two room clinic or salon and that's amazing. And that's a great opportunity for growth. It sounds like Kylie's just been working for herself. So she's moving to that next step and she's going to now provide treatments for her clients and perhaps hire someone else. And Kylie, if you are listening, I would highly recommend to go to that extra step because that that's, that's an opportunity for extra revenue in your business. And I'm not sure if that's what you're thinking about yet, but that really is. You could be doing treatments while someone else is at the same time, and then you can continue to grow your business. But I want to jump back to the quick topic of cash flow and really cutting those costs down to a minimum when it comes to fitting out your new salon, because like I said, you can get really caught up and, you know, start getting business loans and credit cards and putting everything on payment plans, for example. But the thing is, those design ideas or, you know, things that you're looking at, like the aesthetics, they're not actually going to make you money and they will wear down in time and you will get sick of looking at them at one stage or another so my biggest piece of advice and this is the advice I followed and I'm so glad so so glad that I kept my design budget to the absolute minimum um, is because then you have more money to really invest in things that are going to increase revenue because really that's the most important thing when it comes to a business right it's about the money you're making And I'm sure Kylie knows all this, but it's a really good refresher for other business people out there or perhaps some of you who are wanting to start your own beauty business. So like I said, cash flow is really important and you do need to have that kitty of savings just to act as a float for those weeks when perhaps you have less clients coming in or 
you know, any kind of thing might happen. Maybe you'll get sick. You know, it's it's really all on you when you have your own business. And like that is one of the most exciting things about it. So my question to you, Kylie, is first of all, will you be hiring someone to work for you or is that down the track? Because that's an amazing opportunity right there, especially if you have the skills and the tenacity to do that. And also that consistent flow of new leads and return clients. So if that is the case, that is just brilliant. It sounds like she might be outgrowing her um, her. sorry I can't talk right now (laughs) she might be outgrowing her space right now and is able to upgrade but you also want to look at your profit margins and whether you know moving into this new space you're obviously going to be putting out a lot more money or needing to spend a lot more to maintain this new surroundings this new beauty salon but what are your profit margins? And again, that consistent flow of leads and return clients. So it might be a really, really good time for Kylie to actually do a price increase and think about really nutting down on the profits that she is making and being able to look at her schedule from you know Monday to Saturday and look at how many hours she wants to work and how much money she needs to make and how much money she'd love to make. Because hey, we can... We can think all day about how to cover our expenses, but if you're not thinking about what would cover your dream life or the life you're wanting to achieve, then it's almost like a glorified hobby. You need to make money to have a good life. And I tell you what, I've learned that myself. (laughs) So I'm coming from experience here. So yeah, that's just my first little thoughts on this. And yeah you can definitely work these things out so you really just want to calculate those hours calculate the profit margins by you know calculating exactly how much each product or every tiny cost is for each treatment and work out what's the most you could make in a week and what's you know what's the minimum that you have to make to make ends meet and that would give you a lot of security moving forward but I think that's enough on the whole business side and I'm sure it's a really good reminder for Kylie and I wanted to touch on now all the little design tips that I personally have and we'll touch a little bit on the comments as well. So I love that she's doing a rainforest style. That's just so much fun. And I do believe you can really cut costs down to a minimum. So using timber, stone and greenery. So my first tip is absolutely invest in plants. I mean, it's probably a no brainer, right? But you can find some really great local uh, warehouses or even just people who have their own little plants in their front yard and things like that I know that's where I got a majority of my plants when I had my when I first fit out my business I found this really gorgeous kind of out of town um, husband and wife business and they had a lot of cheap plants so that was amazing Um, so go for tropical plants go for indoor plants and think about your area and the sunlight that's coming in and buy plants to match those areas so to prevent your plants from dying because you don't want to buy a plant (laughs) that can't sustain a good life in the lighting that you have so absolutely you know plants they can be quite expensive if you're going for those really designer type plants but then again there are so many well-priced plants out there so invest in them they really just jazz up a space and 
as well. They're actually improving the the oxygen in the room if you're going for plants like snake plants for example sometimes they're called the mother-in-law's tongue they actually at night time i believe it is they actually produce a lot of oxygen um, and good chemicals essentially and yeah they're very good for you so you want to go for plants like that and just scatter them all around and i love the idea of putting them in stone uh kind of pot plants that would look really nice so that's my little tip on plants and another one that might be a little bit off center is actually um, getting some wallpaper because I mean you can buy all kinds of things to put on your wall as in paintings and hangings but they can get a little bit expensive but wallpaper can be quite affordable so have a little look at wallpapers and maybe think about having a feature wall what I can actually imagine in my mind is a whole wall doesn't have to be a big one but where it's got those rainforest plants on the background I think that would look really nice and also you could use wall stencils that's what I used in my clinic I have a theme of mandalas here in my clinic and you know I think I paid about oh gosh under $60 and I got this huge mandala wall painting and I just simply rolled on paint and it looks really nice it's a feature and it was very very low cost so that's also something you could do and I have to say I really do agree in the comments we have Shirley she commented saying that Kmart has some lovely bamboo places Um, small open shelf units side tables and things like that so that's a really good tip I bought a lot of my um, furniture from Kmart and even Target and Ikea and I have to say Ikea is great for things like curtains and wall kind of um, storage on the walls things like that really low cost and you know you can always put things on afterpay or zip pay if that suits you Um, sometimes that makes things a little bit easier and makes that cash flow a little bit better but you don't have to put things on finance by any means but the last little tip that I wanted to share with you well sorry I have two tips here Um, my first tip was to actually check out a website called later alligator (laughs) it always makes me laugh now the whole premise of this website is it has essentially finance options so easy pay zip pay after pay all of those but the reason why i bring this up is because they actually have a full section dedicated to beauty salons and massage clinics and i have to say i don't think it's a very well-known website and i bought my massage table from that website and i know there's a lot of good furniture and things like that at pretty good costs and finance options are available so I thought I'd put that one out there for you and my last tip for you Kylie or anyone else who's listening is to actually if you can at this time of the year wait for the Boxing Day sales because I tell you what I'm sure all of the beauty supply stores which will have a lot of the supplies that you'll need including furniture and things like hot towel cabbies etc they will have sales on around Boxing Day. So what you want to do is sign up to all of those stores, think Barney's, um, Salon First, National Salon Supplies. There's so many. Sign up to all of them, get their emails and just once Boxing Day arrives, check out all the emails and go in there and buy up while you can. Save some money 
put yourself ahead and give yourself a really, really good start and just have fun in the process. It's such an exciting endeavor. So yeah, congratulations. And I hope all of that was really helpful. Alrighty, so for this second topic, this is probably a very controversial topic and it's on the topic of what to do when a client doesn't pay. Ugh, we really don't want to be in that situation because as kind of what we do in the industry is we provide a service and then we ask for someone to pay for the service and that's kind of where where it ends we're really fortunate that we don't keep accounts and we don't invoice clients we actually get the money on the day and that's that's ideal for cash flow right however sometimes these things happen and i know i've personally been there and it's worked out for me but in um, Fatima's case, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I hope I've said your name right, Fatima. Um, she has basically had a client that has has had to leave because they didn't. Their FPOS machine was down, and she said she'd pay, but she hasn't paid. So let me just quickly read her what she submitted into the group. So she says, hi, my lovely friends. I need some advice, please. Last week, we had some problems with our FPOS machine and one of our clients said she was in a rush and she really just had to go. She didn't pay. I called her and she said, I'm not going to give my credit card number, give me your bank account details and I'll transfer the money. She hasn't paid since last Friday and I've called her twice and left a voicemail and messages and she just won't respond at all. What should I do? Many thanks in advance. Oh, such a horrible feeling. And what I want to do before I give some advice, I want to talk about the comment section. And there really was, it's quite controversial in this comment section. I think we all have different thoughts on all of this. So yeah, let me just chat about that. Um, So we had a couple of ladies saying like, put a ban on her account um, also next time she comes in charge her for both treatments and, you know, next time tell her to leave your car keys with you and go get the money from an ATM when she pays and you give her car keys back. Uh, we also have another person saying, tell her that it's stealing and that you'll go to the police if she doesn't pay. Um, you know, you can send it, someone else says you can send an official letter from a debt collector, um, and the comments go on. And, what I really wanted to, I want to share a different perspective. Oh gosh, it can get really heated when you're talking about getting money from somebody. But my first thoughts on when I read these comments, the ones I just read, it's all, oh, it's pretty, it's pretty full on to be going to the police about someone for not paying. And there's actually, um, definitely a protocol you can follow for chasing up money. Um, And I'm going to talk about that very shortly. It's based on the um, governmentbusiness.gov.au. They have some really good advice. But things like, you know, telling her that you're going to go to the police or putting a ban on her account, I mean, it's really just very inflammatory. And I tell you what, if she's intending on not paying, she's intending on not coming back. So threatening her with the police or banning her isn't going to get you far 
all it's going to do is going to decrease your chances of getting the money back and having a returning customer or a client. And I I think that's the most important thing here. You want to give people the benefit of the doubt and remember that you actually cause them more disruption than they're causing you. I mean, yes, you gave them the service, um, but the thing is you did have a problem with the FPOS machine. And it sounds like Fatima is very understanding of that. But the thing is she was rushed and she she had to leave and perhaps she is trying to take advantage of a of a situation i'm sure we've all come across those people however we must give her the benefit of the doubt she might be really really busy and she just might have literally let this just fall out of her brain (laughs) you know maybe she hasn't written it down she just thought oh well i'll pay at my next appointment all these kinds of things so what i want to share is my perspective on what i would do so really in the past when I've done this I've only done it for clients that oh gosh I can't really say you can trust anyone but they're pretty trustworthy clients um for someone I've never met before I'd feel really uncomfortable doing this and I mean what I would say is probably something I mean I wouldn't say leave your car keys here and go get the money and come back it's it's also a little bit inflammatory and it might rub someone up the wrong way especially when you're putting them out what you want to do first of all is go oh my gosh I'm so sorry this is really not normal for us our FPOS machine is down so I actually have all these other options so this is what I have I have other options available so first of all my first port of call is using my square reader which is a pretty reliable system and someone in the comment section actually recommended having one of them basically you just pay the fees out of the money you get paid there's no like monthly fee it's actually a really brilliant low cost option for getting money from your clients so i highly recommend investing in one of them they're like a hundred dollars so get one of them (laughs) and the thing is I have backup options. I have my bank account details written down. I have a PayPal account where I can get paid. I mean, everyone has PayPal these days. It's really simple. They can do it in front of you and have your bank account details and even cash is an option. So what I would have done, you know, she might have to go, but I would say, you know, you still have to pay. <laughs> you can't just leave and not pay. So I would apologize and say, I'm really sorry. Um, I have this second option. So I'd probably do the PayPal as the next option because it's quite secure. And if she doesn't have PayPal, I'll go, all right, no worries. Well, um, are you able to transfer the funds? Here is my bank account details and just do it with her. But the thing is, maybe Fatima didn't get this chance and it could have been one of those, oh gosh, one of those situations where you just didn't get the chance to act the way you should have in hindsight. So Now Fatima is faced with the whole following up and chasing money, which kind of, it's not a fun thing to do, but we have to do it. So what you want to do in this situation is again, give her the benefit of the doubt and come from a place of love and just be really consistent with following up. So send, you know, calling every day going, Hey, um, and not going like, oh, you better pay the money. It's more of a, hello, this is Fatima calling from la la la. And I'm really, I'm, I'm really sorry again for what happened the other day. Um, you know, and just explain the situation and just say, I do need you to make the payment or these are the details. I've sent them to your 
phone text message service, all these kinds of things, and really just continue to be consistent. Give us a call back and we'd love to help you. And you don't want to be mean and rude because this is where complaints come from. I mean, this is my opinion anyhow. But for a more for a better option, well, actually, I think this is the best thing you can really do is to actually go to this website and I'm going to pop it down into the group and it's called some business, businessgov.au and what to do when you haven't been paid. So it actually has a whole heap of uh, tips on what you can do. And I just want to remind you that going to the police is, <laughs> it's not really necessary. Remember, we're talking about contract law right now not criminal offences. And yeah, I guess it could be considered stealing, but it's they're not going to take you seriously. You need to actually file these claims in the right way. So basically this website, without going into too many details, it, you know, the first step is actually review the terms of your contract. Um, and it's just saying verbal verbal or oral agreement is an agreement so there's a bit more information on that you can send them a reminder discuss a payment day negotiate a payment schedule the third is to put it in writing and I think this is a really important thing to do send her a letter to her house and actually ask your lawyer to draft one up for you they're usually about $60 to get one of these written up and really all they do is just ask for the money and just say look if you don't make the payment then this is the legal action that I'll be taking and it's kind of like a threat and that's usually enough to get someone to pay Um, so that's also an option and then you've got a few other steps here get help with dispute resolution and lastly use a debt collection agency and then the last point take legal action so I guess when it gets to that stage, it's about weighing up the pros and cons here. I mean, hey, maybe it was only a $20 eyebrow wax and it is kind of just worth letting it slide and then encouraging her to come back and telling her next time, but maybe is a higher paying service and it was $300 or up and you probably, you really do want to get that money back. So those are my tips. I'll leave that website over on the podcast post in the group and I hope you find that really helpful. And I just hope that for anyone listening, you really do think of the client and you do come from a place of love. I know clients, not all clients are genuine, but we are in a service provider situation here. And yes, we have to speak up and we need to say our rights and we need to enforce these things. We, It's just, it's not going to help you by making threats and rocking up at their house. <laughs> so that's it from me on this one. All right. So for the last topic today, we have a question submitted by Deborah. And Deborah is in a really unfortunate situation. And I did say that this topic was about really about having a hobby business. But the thing is, there is a little bit more to her situation. So I'm going to read you her question. She says, hi, everyone. Has anyone been in this situation before? I've just had to close my business down. She does facials only after 10 months because of a neck issue that will make the work unsustainable for me now and in the future. Oh, so unfortunate. I had started from scratch and only had a few regular clients and they all loved me and they said I had magic hands, their words. (laughs) I was hoping to build up over time to doing 20 facials per week, but that would be 
impossible with my ongoing neck pain. I've cancelled my insurance and other business related things like bank accounts, etc. I'd love to know what she means by etc. Um, moving on. I was in contact with my rep would be the skincare rep this morning and she is supportive of my idea of continuing on a hobby level just with regular clients that can come to me there's honestly only seven real regulars that would come once per month and most of them are now my friends i want to keep up my skills and continue to learn and also to help their skin do you think this can work i'd probably only be doing one to two facials on a week and I know that's what my neck could cope with. So appointments would only be made with both parties are available and I wouldn't be trying to build the business, just servicing a few existing clients. I could still earn some pocket money and then might be a good fit for the idea. I haven't approached them yet. My, my rep said it's still okay. It's just because it would be more of a hobby, I wouldn't have insurance, FPOS, etc. So... Oh, goodness. And she does go in here to say that she has, it's like a friend coming over for a facial and she doesn't do skin penetrating treatments. She'd love to hear our thoughts and advice. And if anyone else has done a similar thing. Yeah, poor thing. Wow, Deborah, that's really, really unfortunate. And it sounds like she has a lot of passion for what she does and she will miss it. And I think it's really great that she is considering her health and putting her health first because injury is a real thing in our industry. And I mean, I'd love to have a conversation with Deborah to find out what actually happened in her case. It might be, you know, quite complicated, but I think it's something we can all learn from and be able to prevent injury. It might not be work related, but still it'd be good to know. So what I really wanted to touch on today, I can't really talk on Deborah's personal case when it comes to, you know, looking after her neck and providing these services. But I, what I do want to comment on is having this as a hobby business. And I think that is just so, it's so great of her, but there are some things, legalities that I definitely think Deborah needs to hear. So I hope you're listening, Deborah. Um, I'm sending you all my love and healing vibes. And I just hope that you get better soon and you're able to do what you love. So the thing is, you really, really do need insurance. It's very very risky and I mean yeah they're like friends to you the clients that you'll be having and I think that's beautiful but the thing is we've all had a friend that has done wrong by us at one time or another we can't ignore that and the thing is we've also had family do that to us in most cases so just because they're friends and they respect you doesn't mean that if hey something really awful happened maybe they oh gosh, anything could really happen. They might slip over, they might hurt themselves, or maybe they have an adverse reaction. And the thing is, they might be having a bad week and then all of a sudden you've got a claim that you can't afford. Remember, you're only earning probably a minimum wage now due to this this new change in your life. So you really don't want to be putting yourself in this situation where you're going to have to pay out thousands, like more than thousands for some sort of medical or health claim when you can just pay a really small amount for insurance. I know that you've just cancelled it and it might be okay just for a month while you're not doing services, but I'd highly recommend get that personal, sorry, that professional indemnity insurance. I'm fairly sure, gosh, I do skin penetration. I think I only pay about 50 a month. It's a really, really small amount and I'd highly suggest it. 
Now, she said she's cancelled her FPOS, and I, you know what, I think that's totally fine. Go for that square reader that I mentioned in the last topic. Like I said, they're about $110, something along those lines, and all you need is your phone, an app, and you just simply type in the amount and you get paid straight away. So set it up to your personal account, but just make sure you have an accountant on board because although, yes, this might be a hobby thing for you, you really can't get away with not being legitimate. I mean, again, it's really, really risky. And if you're just asking for cash and things like that, you know, maybe you'll get away with it for some time. But the thing is, if things like work cover are coming into it, uh, health and insurance claims, perhaps you're even claiming benefits, this is a really slippery slope. And you just you don't want to put yourself at risk for any kind of legalities essentially so my advice to you is find a good accountant if you don't have one already talk to him him or her (laughs) it's just that mine's a him so I'm so used to saying that but talk to them about what you need to do in terms of saving for tax and how to really manage your money you know if it's just you you're probably only a sole trader and that would be fine and you can just work it out by having the money put into your own account there's no legalities around that that I'm sure of (laughs) definitely seek advice from an accountant but I don't think it's a problem you just need to pay tax and that's the most important thing here so yeah just get one of those square readers see an accountant and I do have one little tip for you as well and that was to actually start a little Facebook group for these clients and make it a really, this is my idea, you don't have to do this, but you could have like a little Facebook group where you have these clients in the group and you are talking to each other all the time because you're all invested in they're all invested in you and your business. So it's a small kind of friends group or even like a group chat maybe that would work. But you want to keep them all in one little space because you're not really advertising. You're wanting to have more word of mouth. So I think a group is a really nice way to go about this. You probably don't even need a Facebook profile, for example. And as well, the last thing was really during this time where you do have this injury, if you're missing the industry and you're really missing the whole art of doing facials and the science behind the skin, this is actually a really great opportunity for you to educate yourself and really dive into some reading. And I mean, (laughs) there's all different ways that you can read. I really, I just thought just then, ouch, you know, sometimes my neck hurts (laughs) from reading because you're looking downwards, but I'm sure there's some ways that you could make it work, like getting onto um, an iPad. I know some of my favorite textbooks by Florence Barrett Hill, Advanced Skin Analysis and Cosmetic Chemistry, all for doing facials. They are actually available online, so you can read them on an, like, as an ebook. So that's a really cool idea. And just start networking and talking to other therapists and maybe it's a good time to invest in some courses so you can really keep your skills up there and be really motivated about what you're doing so that those are my points and again Deborah I hope that you do recover quickly and I hope this isn't a permanent thing and I really do hope that you have the support that you need but please just be really careful you do need to be legitimate and you know Things are getting less private (laughs) these days. The government pretty much has access to anything that they want. So as much as you might be keeping this secret, you just 
you just don't know and you really don't want to get yourself into a bad situation so my my suggestion is all of the above and just be legitimate and look after yourself Before you go, I'd like to say thank you for being here with me by listening to this podcast. It really does show that you're dedicated to your education as a beauty therapist and it proves that you have what it takes to be an industry leader. Stay on top of your game, beauty therapists. Keep educating yourself, networking amongst your peers and don't forget the reasons why you chose this industry in the first place. If you would like to connect with other Australian beauty therapists, Make sure to join the Facebook group by searching Beauty Therapists of Australia dash for industry leaders. And again, if you'd like to follow me personally, just search my full name, Kathleen Klassman, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Stay well, beauty therapists, and I'll see you here next time.